Hello, and welcome to Spes in Domino. The name of this podcast is A Tertullian for Our Time, Merton for Better and Worse. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. You're probably familiar with this quote, a favor of Pope St. John Paul II. Its author is Tertullian, who lived from A.D. 160 to 220. One of the foremost Christian writers and apologists of his age, who also gave us such essential terms as Trinity, Trinitas in Latin, and three persons, one substance, tres personae, una substantia. Despite his enormous achievements, however, and his lasting influence, Tertullian is not considered a father of the church. We don't even call him Saint Tertullian. He chose, sadly, to follow his own judgment rather than that of the apostolic church and fell into heresy in the latter part of his life. I first wrote this post six years ago as a follow-up to my essay, Merton's Parable of the Trappist and Icarians, which I published previously. I had been reminded of Tertullian by several things I read at that time about the Trappist monk Thomas Merton, who, were he still with us, would have been celebrating his 100th birthday. I don't mean to suggest that Merton was a figure on a par with Tertullian. The late Trappist made no lasting contribution to the development of Catholic doctrine and added no new words to our vocabulary, although he was quite influential in his time, and still is to a degree. Like Tertullian, however, he didn't stay the course. While he never considered himself to have left the church, his growing involvement with Buddhism seemed to carry him outside the bounds of Christian belief and practice. I resisted reading anything by Thomas Merton for a long time, largely, I confess, because I was put off by certain enthusiasts who were mostly interested in his Zen Buddhism phase. When I first picked up The Seven Story Mountain, the autobiography he wrote shortly after joining the Trappist, I wish I hadn't waited so long. The story of his conversion was beautiful and inspiring, as was much of his other writing from the 1940s and 1950s. Sadly, he didn't stay that way. He has always reminded me of an image from the Venerable Bede, the English historian who lived from 672 to 730 AD. Although, he doesn't remind me of the image in the way Bede used it. In Bede's Ecclesiastical History of the English Nation, a retainer of King Edwin of Northumbria convinces him to embrace the new faith of Christianity by telling him that his life is like a bird that passes through an open window into a well-lit hall and then out again into the stormy night. His pagan worldview can only explain that brief moment in the light but what comes before or after is dark. The Christian faith, on the other hand, can explain it all. When I apply the image to Merton, I think of Merton, in Merton's case, he is the bird. He flew out of the darkness of his early unbelieving years into the light of the faith, but appeared to be headed out the far window back into the storm and the darkness when he met his end in Thailand in 1968. As I mentioned above, this post was originally sparked by other articles I read marking the centennial of Merton's birth. On the Catholic World Report site, for instance, Carl Olson had posted a piece called Mora Merton, which was itself a spin-off from an earlier piece by Anthony E. Clark called Can You Trust Thomas Merton? Olson was the illustrator of that first piece, which was originally published in this rock in 2008. In any case, the two pieces highlight the dilemma presented by this conflicted, contradictory monk. Yes, he was a good Catholic gone bad, but he was also a gifted writer who, in his Orthodox period, wrote some wonderful and inspiring things. Clark's This Rock article very helpfully includes a list of Merton works to avoid, but also recommended readings, which Clark introduces by saying, 
These words represent the early era of Merton's monastic life, and his views are still quite orthodox. These books are beautifully written. They're what made Thomas Merton, Thomas Merton. It's tempting to simply drop Merton altogether, given the potential bad consequences of his later heterodox books. I don't think we should do that. That's not the way the church dealt with Tertullian or with Origen, another almost father of the church gone bad. For another example, in St. Augustine's day, the Donatists were declared heretics because they opposed letting repentant apostates back into the church. We haven't thrown out the word Trinity because Tertullian became a Montanist, and we likewise should not forget the seven-story mountain just because Thomas Merton seemed to lose his way later in life. Thank you.